winter storm warning. What to expect from the weekend whiteout and what comes after that. BC's new cancer action plan. We are making an initial investment of $440 million. How it gives patients a better chance at a cure. And botched eye surgery. I told her, no, you're supposed to put the eye drop on my right eye. A woman in a dispute with her doctor, wondering how her laser procedure went so wrong. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. Well, get ready for some potentially record-setting snowfall. As much as 30 centimeters could fall by Sunday. And as we all know, here on the south coast, that's a recipe for chaos on the roads and quite possibly at the airport too. Sarah McDonald is live at YVR now where they say they're doing everything, Sarah, to prevent a repeat of what we saw over Christmas. Yeah, a lot of people are, Chris. As you said, it may not seem like it given the conditions this evening, but by this time tomorrow, parts of Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley could be under nearly a foot of snow, and that is exactly what city crews and the province say they are bracing for. Here we go again. Less than a week out from March, we're still very much in the throes of winter on the south coast, with up to 30 centimeters of snow expected this weekend. We need some road work and salt and sense. People have to have common sense. Watch out! Municipalities across the Lower Mainland insist they are ready to avoid the largely preventable havoc on the roads that's become all too familiar. Yeah, our entire winter maintenance fleet will be on the roads. In Surrey, city crews are out in full force around the clock brining and preparing for a potentially sizable snowfall. It's a salt water solution and we apply to the road. So what happens is when the snow starts falling, it prevents the ice from actually bonding the asphalt. Same story in Vancouver. We've got crews out all over the city treating all of our priority routes uh, with salt and our brine. But how about on the highways, which the province's primary contractor, Main Road, has so far failed to keep clear in other recent snowfalls? forcing the closure of key crossings like the Portman and Alex Fraser bridges. The province says there's no guarantee that won't happen again, but... What we're, we're trying to do strategically through this event is trying to take a more focused look at some of those key areas. The Portman Bridge, Alex Fraser Bridge, we will have crews stationed on those bridges ahead of the event to make sure we're actively monitoring the conditions. YVR also getting in gear for another blast of winter coming in for landing on its runways and aircraft. Over the last 48 hours as the forecast has increased, we've just been reviewing the plans, uh, working with our airline partners, uh, making sure we're ready for uh, the storm that actually hits us. With travelers being urged to give themselves extra time and motorists advised to stay off the road if possible. I'm really sad for people who have to commute, but I love the snow. No one can claim they didn't have fair warning of this impending late winter wallop. And already the weather seems to be impacting travel plans here at YVR this weekend with dozens of flights already cancelled for tomorrow. Now, as always, the advice for all commuters and travelers, whether you're traveling by car, transit or air, is to give yourself lots of time, plan ahead and check the status of your route or your flight in this case before you go. Chris. All right, Sarah, thanks very much. That's Sarah McDonald out of YVR. And we know who will be watching the snow tomorrow. Steph Florian, our weather specialist, with the latest on what we really should expect on, on Saturday night. 
Well, Chris, we are expecting to be breaking some records with the snowfall warning in place for Metro Vancouver, much of the south coast, much of the province under warnings right now. We just have to break this record from 1955 at 3.6 centimetres and from 1971 on Sunday at 13.2 centimetres and with up to 35 centimetres uh, in store for us, I think that we might just do that. So you can see that system is going to be hitting the north coast first, inland sections as well tonight into tomorrow. We'll be getting it tomorrow late morning. Morning in through the evening hours, through the overnight. It won't be till Sunday that we'll be really seeing the worst of that in and around uh, the Columbia Kootenai region, and that plays out in through late Sunday. So here's a look at some of the snowfall totals that are anticipated across the province. You can see the system is just blanketing the entire province. I've got more on what's coming specifically for the South Coast coming up. All right, we'll check in a little bit later on. Thank you very much, Steph. The province has announced a massive investment to expand cancer care in BC. The 10-year plan has an initial investment of $440 million. And as Richard Zussman explains, the goal is to improve outcomes for all patients. At 26 years old, it was news Lori Bridge wasn't expecting, a stage 4 colorectal cancer diagnosis. They offered a couple screening tests and stuff, but... I was young and I dismissed it as well. The doctors dismissed it. They didn't think it was that important. And so eventually it got to be so bad and the pain was debilitating. The BC government hoping to support Bridge and many others. Unveiling Friday, a massive 10-year, $440 million cancer care plan. $270 million in immediate funding, going towards expanding hours of care and prevention. Looking at a new payment model for oncologists, improving Indigenous-focused care, and improving screening programs. Right now, one in two, half of all British Columbians will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetimes, and it could be getting worse. The pandemic leading to people skipping early prevention appointments, and BC has a growing and aging population. The challenge is that this increased demand has led to a situation where our cancer care system is stretched. Over the last five years, more than a dozen oncologists have left the BC Cancer Agency. They are doctors the province desperately is trying to replace. At the same time, the expectation is there will be 50 to 75 percent more cancer cases in BC over the next few years. This plan is a message, I think, to everyone in BC, everyone in Canada and everywhere in the world of our commitment to cancer care in our province. The growing pressure leading to diminishing outcomes. The numbers improving, but still last fall to 20% of patients in BC received oncologist appointments within two weeks of diagnosis, the global standard. In Ontario, it was 75%. We've seen in British Columbia uh, growing wait lists, wait times that are significant. For Bridge, she's set to continue chemo next week, hoping her diagnosis and this cancer plan will help both remind people and make it easier to get tested earlier. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Every year in British Columbia, more than 30,000 people are diagnosed with cancer and more than 11,000 deaths every year are cancer-related. Now, when you go to the hospital for a procedure, you expect your doctor will perform the surgery correctly. But a woman in Richmond says that's not always the case. As Erin MacArthur reports, she says her doctor performed laser surgery on the wrong eye. For me, it's a nightmare. Already feeling nervous about a laser eye procedure, Shirley Ng can't figure out how the team at the eye center in Vancouver managed to perform the procedure last week on the wrong eye. It started when the receptionist 
put drops in her left eye. And I told her, no, you're supposed to put the eye drop on my right eye. With that sorted out, she went ahead with what should have been a routine procedure to reduce the pressure in her right eye. Yet she wasn't seeing her surgeon. It was a fellow operating the laser. And she continued to treat Shirley's left eye. Because i never done this experience before. That's why I trust the doctor, whatever the doctor said to me. Only after it was over did Shirley ask which eye had been operated on. It quickly became clear to the staff that the laser was used on the wrong eye. Her right eye remained untouched. I was so frustrated. I say, I'm not going to let you to do the laser on my right, because right now I don't have confidence for you. Shirley is furious and worried the laser treatment on her left eye will cause damage. Global News reached out to Vancouver Coastal Health for an explanation. The health authority refused to answer any questions about Ng's mistreatment, citing privacy concerns. Ng eventually did get the procedure done on the correct eye, her right. She has formally complained to Vancouver Coastal Health's Patient Quality Care Office. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A 56-year-old man has been charged in connection with the assault of a journalist at the pandemic protests near the border last year. On February 19, 2022, an anti-COVID restriction protest was underway at the Pacific Highway border crossing. A camera operator filming the protest was allegedly assaulted. Vojislav Zmukic of Coquitlam is now facing an assault charge. He was arrested and released on an undertaking. His next court date is in March. A sexual assault survivor is suing her attacker for damages. She is a member of the Vancouver police, and so was her attacker. He went to jail for the attack, but the survivor says in her lawsuit that the damage is emotional, financial, and long-lasting. Catherine Urquhart reports. Jagraj Roger Barrar was a Vancouver police officer, that is, until 2021, when he was convicted of sexually assaulting a fellow VPD officer. What do you have to say about that? He's got nothing to say, just stay away. That day, the survivor, who can't be identified, said this outside the courthouse. He was sentenced to a year. Uh, that'll never be enough for me, but uh, at least it sends a message that there is a consequence to your actions. Barrar was found guilty of performing a sex act on her. It happened in 2019 following a social gathering in Whistler with colleagues. Months later, her husband spoke to Global News about her recovery. She's doing better. She's, um, you know, this has been extremely hard on our family. Um, it's been extremely hard on her. Now the survivor has filed a civil claim against Barrar. In part, it states, the defendant handed the plaintiff a drink. After taking a sip of the drink, the plaintiff experienced a near instantaneous onset of nausea and retreated to the bathroom to vomit. The survivor is claiming post-traumatic stress, anxiety and depression, along with emotional anguish. We're just waiting to receive a response to civil claim. Uh, there will likely be um, applications uh, along the way. The survivor is seeking general damages, aggravated damages, special damages, and compensation for loss of earnings. She remains a member of the Vancouver Police Department.
Catherine Urquhart, Global News. A statement of defense has now been filed by a New Brunswick police officer in response to a lawsuit filed by the family of an indigenous woman from B.C. Chantal Moore was shot and killed by Edmonston Police Constable Jeremy Sun in June of 2020 during a wellness check. The lawsuit alleges the officer neglected his duties and demonstrated significant errors in judgment, which led to Moore's death. The defense is calling for the case to be dismissed and claims Moore's death was caused by her own actions. In June 2021, the Crown said it would not pursue criminal charges against Sun, and a subsequent coroner's inquest ruled Moore's death a homicide. The lawsuit has not been tested in court. And a Vancouver man has been sentenced after being found guilty on a string of charges related to a series of indecent acts dating back three years. Christopher Ram was arrested last May in Vancouver and charged with exposing himself to people while on the Langara College campus in March of that year. He was also wanted on charges of committing indecent acts in Surrey in 2019 and 2021. He was found guilty on six charges and sentenced to 30 days in jail and 18 months probation. A Coast Mountain bus driver who hit and killed one of her colleagues while on the job was fined $1,500 in provincial court today. Back on September 27, 2021, veteran driver Charanjit Parhar was adjusting the trolley wires on his parked bus when a bus driven by Mandeep Kaur Singh ran into him, pinning him. The 64-year-old died the next day in hospital. Earlier this month, Sadhu pleaded guilty to driving without due care and attention. She remains employed by Coast Mountain Bus Company and has been on leave since the incident. The Port of Vancouver is shelving a plan that forced owner-operators to buy newer, cleaner trucks. It was supposed to help decrease emissions and clear the air. But as Travis Prasad reports, the plan ran into some serious opposition. The Port of Vancouver wants to be the world's greenest. But standing in the way, 1,800 diesel trucks spewing soot and other emissions into Metro Vancouver's air. So the port is moving to ban diesel trucks that are more than 12 years old, arguing the older the vehicle, the greater its greenhouse gas emissions. This is the injustice for us. The United Truckers Association says the majority of its 1,100 members cannot afford to upgrade their vehicles. It's almost 225000 to buy a newer truck today without interest. Facing that reality, the port is stepping on the brakes, deferring the program for nine months, the third delay. But another trucking group says the port should keep on rolling with the plan. We're in complete agreement and alignment with the goals of the program, which is to reduce GHG emissions. Dave Earle says operators have had years to find suitable vehicles, and many of them have. According to the Port Authority, 85% of operators are now driving compliant container trucks, leading to an estimated 79% reduction in emissions. Newer equipment is more fuel efficient and reduces our GHG profile. Over time, those companies and those individuals that have made those investments will reap the rewards. But the Union for Container Truck Operators doesn't see it that way, calling the upfront costs outrageous. It wants a minimum two-year pause on the phase-out, and if the program does go ahead, the union wants financial support for a small but critical part of the supply chain. Let's say we stop the work. What will be the outcome? The prices will go more up. We don't want that. We don't need that. We, we are not willing that any common person should suffer from that. 
The association doesn't think the program will ever see the light of day. The Port of Vancouver was not available for comment. Travis Prasad, Global News. Well, we are gearing up for the annual Show of Hearts Telethon this weekend. And to celebrate, we're sharing stories of children and families whose lives have been touched by variety. When you go to variety.bc.ca or call 310KIDS and donate, you are helping a lot of children with therapies and equipment that allows them to just be kids. And if you call during tonight's news hour, your dollars will be doubled thanks to a $100,000 donation from Strand Development. So please call now. Again, it's 310KIDS and thanks to Strand for that. All right, February 24th, 2022 will live in infamy for Ukrainians. And today, the world is recognizing the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. That's next on the News Hour. A well-known Chinatown restaurant is going away. Why the owner says she has no choice but to shut it down. That's coming up on the News Hour. And later in sports, wrestling perfection. The high school program pumping out winners. That's later. Right now, though, one year ago today, Russian soldiers crossed the border of Ukraine, launching a war that's claimed thousands of lives and driven millions of people from their homes. And since then, more than 160,000 Ukrainians have come to Canada, 11,000 resettling here in B.C. And our Kamal Kuramali checked in on some of them. One year since the war in Ukraine broke out and Sergei Kuznetsov and Irina Karpenko still haven't been able to find peace. It's been a year and how like everything changed upside down. It's been a journey and we've followed Irina's story since that dreadful day. My sister, my nephew. Speaking to us just after learning of Russia's invasion. I don't know if they like at this moment they're alive. But they were. She saved us. We saw her again after she'd been able to successfully bring her sister and nephew safely to Canada. I will be always um, next, next to you. Now on this grim anniversary, a worry of the family still left behind, but on this day, they're celebrating a small silver lining. The number of refugees they've been able to bring in and employ right here in their Ukrainian bakery. To date, we have uh, more than 42 uh, team members joined us, uh, the displaced uh, individuals. Bakers, uh, line cooks, yeah. uh, front of the house, uh, servers, uh, managers including Olga Osadets and her teenage son. They arrived in Canada in April and began working here, but still hearing word of losses from back home, including a young uncle. He died like two days ago in, uh, in Bakhmut, so the hottest spot okay, right now. Okay. It's like it was, like, he was only like 39 years old. 11,000 Ukrainian refugees have come to BC this past year, and they're hoping to bring in more. His name is Aaron. To start a new life. Anna Chebatar came to Canada as a refugee while she was pregnant. I'm worried about it because it's another country. I don't have anyone in Canada, no friends. Um, but now I have some friends, thanks God. Now one of many growing families hoping they can stay. I want to uh, say um, very, very thank you for your support. For years to come. Kamel Karamali, Global News. And Canada is making even more investment, bolstering the Ukrainian military. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announcing today the federal government will ship another four Leopard 2 tanks 
and an armored vehicle to Ukraine. That's on top of the additional four tanks the government promised earlier this year. Prime Minister Trudeau noted people across the country have provided inspiration around supporting Ukraine's defense efforts. The generosity of Canadians, the desire of people across this country to continue to help knows no bounds. The government will also send 5,000 rounds of ammunition as well as impose new sanctions on dozens of Russian individuals and entities. Canada's total investment in Ukraine is now $5 billion. Conservation groups are raising some red flags about a proposed new development in Delta that they say could endanger part of Burns Bog. As Paul Johnson reports, they say the bog is far too valuable to all of Metro Vancouver to put it at risk for the sake of new warehouses. The plants in Burns Bog are unique. The trees in the best areas of the bog are only as high as my knee and they're old growth trees, 50 to 100 years old. 4,000 years old and host to its own unique list of plants and animals. Delta's Burns Bog may not strike you as one of the region's iconic wild spaces, but those who know it can tell you otherwise. Huge numbers of waterfowl, vast flocks of, of ducks and geese in here. Uh, it's just very, very important ecologically. But it wasn't always seen that way. Vancouver City Dump was put here long ago. And while the core of the remaining bog is now protected, conservationists say the owners of one of the privately owned parcels of bog land have development in mind. The proposal is to put in a, um, a, a sort of a warehousing and food processing facility. Which worries Burns Bog advocates Pixie Hobby and Don DeMille, who say that rooftops and paved surfaces close to the protected area could alter its hydrology, the groundwater flow that makes a bog boggy. Just another bit of the bog that will be lost. In order for the project to go ahead, they say a zoning change would have to happen. And so far, they say city leadership seems intent on making that happen. We reached out to the city of Delta Friday, where staff said it's Mayor George Harvey who answers questions about the issue. But he wasn't available to take our call. This incremental death by a thousand cuts that we're, we're looking at here if this project goes ahead. Every time we allow development at what is the edge of what is now the bog, there's an encouragement for more. In Delta, Paul Johnson, Global News. Just ahead, time to say goodbye. After bouncing back from an earlier fire, a Chinatown restaurant struggles to survive its latest crisis. Plus, early intervention is, is really everything. Elevating education. How Variety stepped in to help young Cameron when his mother's intuition was right. This portion of the program is brought to you by Strand Development. A lot of the funding that Variety provides to families in BC goes towards private assessments, most of them to diagnose autism. They are expensive, but can provide critical answers sooner. Many families turn to Variety to bypass the two-year wait list for a publicly funded assessment. Sonia Sunger reports. This is Cameron. His mother, Lindsay, describes him as a creative with a strong sense of justice and truth. So it's no surprise that he's a Star Wars buff. Mandalorian's coming out March 1st, the season three. Yeah. And the trailer was so good. 
The 11-year-old from Prince George has a lot going for him. And that's why many of his learning challenges went undetected for years. I noticed a few red flags for some learning disability troubles he was having. And so I kind of brought it up to the school and they're like, but he's doing really well in class, so we're not too concerned. And I was like, but I am. Lindsay persisted paying thousands of dollars for a psychoeducational assessment, which led to an ADHD diagnosis. But Lindsay suspected there was more, requesting a publicly funded autism assessment from their pediatrician. The only place locally that I knew of that did autism testing, their wait list was closed. It was so long, it was over three years, and I was like, he's so far behind already, I don't think I can wait two more years. Like countless other parents, Lindsay turned to Variety to cover the cost of a private assessment. Her suspicions were right. Cameron was diagnosed with autism in December. In BC, an autism diagnosis means families can access up to $22,000 a year for children under six, and $6,000 a year for those under 18. Private assessments account for nearly half of Variety's grants each year. Early intervention is, is really a, a, everything, and Variety can only support so much right now. The needs and requests pouring in from families is significant. The health minister says the province has hired more people to conduct assessments, speed up the process for children who are nonverbal, and maintain virtual assessments for those in remote communities but admits they need to do better. Absolutely no question the waits are too long, and uh, that's why we've got to continue to build out the system to meet that test. Parents like Lindsay hope wait times can be reduced, knowing how critical years and even months can be to a child's development. Sonia Sanger, Global News, Burnaby. Variety has over 1,100 kids right now waiting for grants. You can help by supporting Variety, so go online to variety.bc.ca or simply call 310-KIDS. And remember, your donations will be doubled throughout tonight's news hour, up to $100,000, thanks to Strand Development. So call now if you can. Just ahead, farewell Daisy Garden, why the noted Chinatown restaurant has to close its doors. And lockdown fitness, how the COVID pandemic impacted our workouts. Join Global BC as we celebrate the hope your help can bring with three days of stories and interviews all leading up to this year's Variety Children's Charity Show of Hearts Telethon, Sunday, February 26th on Global BC. A well-known Chinatown restaurant that literally rose from the ashes is closed yet again just one year after it reopened. As Kristen Robinson reports, the Daisy Garden is yet another victim of BC's crippling labor shortage. After shutting down Daisy Garden Restaurant for two weeks earlier this month to give her staff a break, Susanna Ng closed the doors for good. This is difficult. We're very, very different. Ng spent seven years and $1.4 million on renovations and equipment to rebuild the iconic Chinatown eatery after a devastating 2015 fire. Just one year after relaunching the restaurant, which first opened in 1979, she can't find enough workers. It's getting tougher and tougher to get uh, new staff. And even the dishwasher is, is retiring. Ng, who also owns Newtown Bakery, says the labor shortage has been simmering for a decade. With few parking options, it's hard to attract employees. And she says there's a lack of entry-level foreign workers. Without them, the Business Improvement Association says many of its members 
will struggle to stay open during the summer season. It's not just going to be Chinatown, but it's going to be across the city, across the province. So we have, you know, in the past been focusing on the skilled and, uh, you know, high net worth individuals, but we really need to have people that are going to uh, support the community right at the, you know, at the entry level. We've got to get rid of this backlog. The Restaurant Association says BC is lagging behind other in processing a growing number of foreign worker applications. To get a foreign worker in BC is 10 months, Alberta is 5 months, Manitoba, 4 or 5 months, the rest of Canada, 4 or 5 months, BC, 10 months. The BC government says it's hiring more staff to help employers process temporary foreign workers. Many of Ng's longtime Newtown employees are also approaching retirement. And they also can, can work, most of them, they, they want to keep on working. But because of the reducing of the uh, uh, benefit, they choose to, uh, to, to, to left the job. Daisy Garden, meantime, is on the market for just under $400,000. Ng hopes she can find the right buyer to bring the restaurant back. Because my heart is in Chinatown, and I, I want Chinatown booming, you know. Kristen Robinson, Global News. In Health Matters tonight, a new poll finds the pandemic had a major impact on many Canadians' exercise routines. According to, re, uh, or according to the Research Co. poll, during the pandemic, 48% of Canadians say they were able to get their recommended 150 minutes per week of exercise. That's down from 55% before COVID-19 hit. Nearly one in three say they followed an online workout routine through the pandemic. 18% purchased weightlifting equipment and 16% bought cardio equipment for their home. One in five Canadians surveyed say their fitness actually improved during the pandemic. Good for you. Up ahead, surprising findings from a study of orca food. What researchers discovered about the whale's diet. And coming up in sports, the BC high school wrestling team that seems unbeatable. Just before we get to our weather warnings, a rare winter storm in California is catching a lot of people off guard. A blizzard warning is in, pla in place today for just north of Los Angeles, where up to 150 centimeters of snow could fall. That hasn't happened in decades. Heavy rain is also expected to inundate many parts of California this weekend, with a risk of flash flooding for L.A. and San Bernardino. Yes, it is weird. And it's going to get weirder overnight around here. Uh, here's Steph Florian with the latest. Calm before the snowstorm is mm -hmm. what's happening. And we actually broke record lows again today with this Arctic outflow. So the winds, the cold air, uh, you can see all the records that we broke and even more that I couldn't even fit here. And yes, Metro Vancouver, south coast, under a snowfall warning. It went from a statement and now we're into a warning where we are anticipating between 15 to 25 centimeters for the south coast. You can see the north coast is getting hit hard tonight. Where we're going to be seeing heavy snow through the overnight tonight for the north coast and inland sections that moves down towards central BC central coast south coast even into the late morning hours so it's timed out a little bit earlier than we were anticipating and in through the eastern section southern sections of the province will be seeing that late day and through Sunday night as well so a lot of snow on deck multiple warnings and uh, winter storm warnings in place and this just does time out tonight for the north and then for us it's into tomorrow morning so here's a look at your snowfall forecast and what this forecast model is 
is showing. Here it's showing about 14 centimeters for Vancouver, 20 for Port Moody, 12 for Powell River, 13 for Squamish, 18 for Abbotsford. I'm going to show you some of the highway passes here. Uh, you can see the Sea to Sky expecting about 5 tomorrow and then up to 25 through the overnight. Rogers Pass, Eagle Pass to Rogers Pass, not great at all. 5 to 10 and then another 15 on deck through the overnight. So heavy snowfall is anticipated. Here's a look at how your forecast looks for northern BC tomorrow. So Prince Rupert, Terrace up to 15 centimeters, Smithers up to about 5 to 10, Prince George, Quinell up to 20 centimeters expected. Uh, here's a look at the southern interior tomorrow. You can see about uh, 5 to 10 centimeters for Revelstoke, but then again we are expecting more in through the day Sunday. Kelowna just a few centimeters there, a little bit of sunshine in that region, but Port Hardy, a lot of snow mixed with some rain even. Same for Tofino, and our temperature is going to be feeling like minus 10 tomorrow morning with that wind chill, and the snow is on deck, and it will be accumulating, and it will be heavy through the overnight into Sunday, and Monday we'll be seeing uh, some more flurries into your Monday. Here's a look at our weather window, our central win windows weather window, and this is sent in by Ulrich, and this is the freezing Fraser River near Agassiz. How about that? Just be, frigid. It's going to be solid before long if this keeps up. Thanks very much, Steph. All right, UBC researchers say the food supply for BC's killer whales is a big reason orcas are struggling. A new study says the decline in the killer whale population is due to water contamination and noise pollution. But most of the blame falls on the decline of Fraser River Chinook salmon. The spring-run Chinooks are the most energy-rich prey for the whales. Researchers say they need to more closely monitor changing ocean conditions to figure out how that's affecting the Chinook salmon supply. All right, we'll bring in Squire now for a look ahead to sports. What do you got? It's busy tomorrow night down at uh, the stadiums. we got the Whitecaps opening up the regular season against Real Salt Lake at 7.30 and the Canucks and the Bruins at 4.00. And there's a chance that Thatcher Demko might be in Vancouver's lineup, more likely as a backup. I still got to talk to Doc too, just to um, you know cross the T's and dot the I's. But um, you know, if I'm available, then ultimately it's up to them. Now we haven't seen Thatcher since his lower body injury in early December when he played against Florida. All right, I hope he's feeling good enough to play. Also coming up, satellite debris. Hmm. Twix with cookie and cookie dough. Okay, the video it's, not, over there? it's not laughing. It's not a laughing matter. There was an explosion downtown oh, well, at the I, Marine Building. We're looking into that's it. That's not it was, good. It was loud. But on I didn't my phone. know that you no. were just playing something loud. That's right. Phone, it just so. it sounded like chaos. It did sound like chaos. Yeah. But now we know. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk some sports. Uh, and we're going to begin with the Canucks because tomorrow the best team in the NHL will be at Rogers Arena with Boston in town, and it's a four o'clock start. The Whitecaps are also home tomorrow, seven thirty. So it's going to be busy on Stadium Row. And then, of course, there's Snowmageddon, too. Uh, now, this could be the game we see Thatcher Demko back in the Canucks uniform. He'll likely be the backup if he does dress. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel 100%. So, um, just kind of the final final hurdle I had to get over, and uh, feeling really good now. Expect to dress tomorrow or in the next couple of games here? Yeah, I just got to talk to coaching staff. Obviously, it's up to them. Uh, we'll talk uh, about that. Uh, there's a possibility, but he's, like I said, he's close this week, whether it's tomorrow or next game. He's going to be, uh, it's close. Now, there are a lot of Canuck fans who want to tank for Connor Bedard. But as we said earlier this week, despite Boston, Vancouver has one of the easiest schedules down the stretch in the NHL. And in addition to that, Elias Pettersson has become an anti-tank weapon. 11 points in his last four games, including the winning goal in St. Louis last night. He was in on all three goals in last night's game, but this goal was all world. And I know Rick Tockett talked about not playing him as much as Bruce Boudreau did, but he's discovered what Bruce knew you got to play Petey because he can handle the extra workload and he can flourish. And this month, he has really flourished. If you use goals as the tiebreaker, Elias Pettersson is the leading scorer in the NHL this month. Same amount of points as Connor McDavid, but more goals. He actually is the leading scorer if you go back a full month to January 24th. He's on pace for over 100 points. He's eighth in overall NHL scoring right now with 75. Mentioned yesterday, the BC Lions added another veteran quarterback as they try to replace Nathan Rourke. Yesterday, they acquired Dane Evans from Hamilton for a draft pick. Now, Evans did have other CFL teams interested in him. He could kind of decide where he wanted to go, and he was glad that BC wanted him. I've always felt something like more about BC. Every time we would come visit and come play as visitors, I just always felt like it's kind of a spot for me. Like I just felt something was calling me there. Um, I just, I want to win a great cup and I want to do it with BC. That's why we put beautiful in the license plates. Uh, tomorrow and today, today and tomorrow at the Pacific Coliseum, 494 wrestlers, both girls and boys all around BC are involved in the BC Wrestling Secondary School Championships. And of all the schools who are there, no school is tougher to pin down in this sport than the wrestlers from Vancouver College. Our program is based on character. Um, character is what defines a young boy to a young man. If you have good character, you will follow the process of what it needs to be successful. Results come, wins come. It starts with the development of character and then the process of work ethic. Those traits literally permeate throughout the wrestling gym and off the mat at Vancouver College. It's boys high school wrestling program, a perfect model of success. And when we say perfect, we're not overselling it. Uh, we are six years undefeated high school tournaments and we are eight years uh, zone champions. Pre-COVID, we had an excellent team of 50 boys that competed in every high school tournament in the province and we won every tournament. We were shut down for two years because of COVID. Now, a lot of those young boys are now all in grade 12. This is their final year. And once again, we repeated and we went undefeated this year in every high school tournament. There's winning on the mat and then there's winning in life. At Vancouver College, they go hand in hand like a patented headlock. I'd say for sure that wrestling is, it builds character for sure. I feel like wrestling when you're on the mat, you really have to know how to stand on your own. And in order to stand on your own, I feel like you also have to stand with your teammates, right? Uh, I think as my coach likes to say, um, wrestling is difficult. And if you can be a wrestler and get past that, then, then everything else is easy. 
Be mindful of the guy behind you. Year after year, athlete after athlete, the message here never changes. Same for taking pride in one's achievements. This is the team's own little wall of fame. Wrestlers who've been in the program from grade eight right up through grade 12 get enshrined with their own concrete block. Wrestling immortality, but also just the first mark these boys plan on making in life. I get two things out of wrestling. One is if I have 50 kids wrestle one year, I get 50 more back the next year. It's when they want to continue. And two, seeing them going from this to this as young adults. I love that. And BC was knocked out by Manitoba this afternoon at the Scotties up in Kamloops. There you go. All right, we've got more satellite debris next. We mentioned it very briefly earlier. Jordan Armstrong is standing by with more on the breaking news downtown. Jordan. Yeah, Kristen, it seems like this was some sort of underground explosion. We're trying to get you some video here, updated video, but we've been watching it for about an hour now. Flames shooting from an underground vault in front of the J.J. Bean coffee shop. It's in the Marine Building on Burrard Street. Lots of firefighters are there. They're keeping a distance, perhaps indicating that a gas line may be involved. Witnesses are saying they can smell gas gas and they heard an explosion around six o'clock. At this point, no reports of any injuries. It says Waterfront Station is currently closed. We'll stay on top of this and have a lot more at 11. Chris. All right. Sounds good. Thanks very much, Jordan. We'll bring Squire back in for satellite debris. Yes, and we'll begin with uh, something from Twix where we have talking chickens. <laughs> Twix with cookie and cookie dough. Kinda makes you wonder which came first, the cookie or the cookie dough. Everything always gets so heady with you, Janine. <coughs> so embarrassing. Wanna, Sophie's not here. I want to try that. She loves the talking animals. All right, so uh, we'll move right along here. Uh, this one is a little leftover from the Super Bowl. It's from the NFL. Aaron Andrews with the MVP of the Flag Football World Games. Kevin, thanks so much. I am here with world champion Deanna Flores. And Deanna, you are so elusive. Is there anybody that can pull your flags? Well, I'm sure someone can. They're right here. <laughs> what? We're flags! Man, I'm trying to lock down the perimeter and you worried about sauce. It's all about the sauce. All unit code red. We gotta run it. Come on, man. She got moves. Oh, hell no. What's the play? I got this. Housekeeping! You gotta go higher. Housekeeping! 
Mamá, algo muy raro acaba de pasar. Ay, princesa, te ves estresada. Respira tranquila. Ven, dame un abrazo. Mamá. Ana Alejandra Flores, ven acá, estás castigada. That was fantastic. There you go. Remind me of a young Steph Florian. Uh, <laughs> listen, Thanks, Chris. Yeah, before we give you the last word on weather here, as we head into the Show of Hearts weekend, we want to check and see how many kids' variety we'll be able to help. And so far, thanks to tonight's matching donation from Strand Development and your support, variety can help 200 kids. Thank you very much, BC. And you still have a few moments to take advantage of that matching offer. There are 1,100 kids on Variety's wait list, and we'll need your help this weekend, so we hope you tune in later. Okay, do we have time to go back to Steph? No, that's it. Have a great weekend, everybody.